Unless you get comfortable with the idea of other people not feeling good, setting boundaries is always going to make you feel uncomfortable. Strongly believe at my core that women deserve to be held just as much as their baby. Boundary isn't telling someone what to do, but rather telling them what you will do if they do not respect your boundary. Welcome to the Babies and Boundaries podcast. My name is Maddie and I am on a mission to change the culture around postpartum. I am here to validate new mom's experiences, help you set and enforce boundaries around your baby, and to protect and promote the mother-baby bond. Join me each week as we dive into these topics. Hello, and welcome back to the Babies and Boundaries podcast. I'm super excited this week because we have our very first guest on the show. This is Stephanie DeFilippis. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a certified perinatal mental health clinician. She's the founder of Crescent Moon Therapy, a maternal mental health therapy practice located in Illinois. Her practice specializes in the treatment of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and her team works with individuals experiencing challenges across the entire reproductive period, including preconception, miscarriage, infertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting. I think this is such an amazing concept. I have actually not even heard that there was um, practices specializing strictly in perinatal mental health. And I am so happy to hear that these resources are out there, especially for the women who need them most. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us. Really appreciate you coming onto the podcast to talk to my audience. So tell us a little bit about your background and what inspired you to work in the maternal mental health field. That was really great to just hear all of my credentials. Thank you. Thank you so much for the introduction. I'm so happy to hear, be here and to have you sort of create this space is amazing. So thank you so much. Yes. I think like many therapists, right, our passion to work in this field stems from our own lived experiences. And for me, that is definitely true. Um, growing up, I saw just how important the presence of a mother figure is to the function of a household and the integral role a mother has in really just the emotional well-being of a child. On the flip side, I also saw the impact of the lack of a mother figure and the generational impact that this can really have on an entire family system. So that's kind of like my personal reason why I got into the field. But then when I started grad school, I took advantage of the opportunity of taking a training through Postpartum Support International, PSI, which is kind of like the mothership of foundational perinatal training. And I just very quickly knew that this was the population I wanted to work with. And then in 2022, after some jobs in nonprofit and hospital systems, I started Crescent Moon Therapy. And then this year I expanded into a group practice. So it's not just me anymore. I have a team now of amazing and compassionate therapists that I get to work alongside. That is so amazing. I love how you talk about, you know, how important the mother figure is. And I just became a first-time mom in February and stepping into that role and just realizing like how important this job is. And, you know, it definitely comes with ups and downs. It can be a super challenging period being postpartum, but it's also just so fulfilling and so rewarding to pour into our children, you know, and of course, as moms, it's so important to take care of our mental health because we are, you know, pouring into these children all day. And, you know, sometimes it can be hard. We can feel like our mental health is on the back burner a little bit. 
Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, so in this podcast today, we're going to talk a little bit about perinatal mental health, and we're also going to touch on a topic I know is a hot topic for my audience right now, and that is the holidays. With the holidays coming up, it can definitely be a stressor for many new moms for many different reasons. But I recently came across a really interesting TikTok that had a couple points that I wanted to share with you guys. You know, I was talking about how during the holidays, it can seem like mothers are the ones buying gifts and making plans and doing everything for everybody else. But it never seems like, you know, we can really sit down to enjoy the holidays ourselves until like the very last minute of the day. Why is it so hard to be present as mothers, especially around the holidays? I think that's a really great question. And if I can pose another question, which is like, can we be stressed? and anxious and also find ways to be present with our families around the holidays? I think the answer is yes. In therapy, we talk a lot about the duality of emotions, right? Meaning two emotions can exist at the same time. So both can be true. And I think as mothers, we're constantly pressured by society to be like rule followers. This is the only way to be a mom. To be a mom means you have to buy all these things or curate this perfect holiday experience or go on these vacations, right? And I'm here to tell you it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> There's a more than one way to be a mom and there really are no rules when it comes to motherhood. So I think if we can think in terms of the holidays, one of the biggest roadblocks is that moms are always planning, thinking about what's next, imagining this amazing holiday experience. A lot of the clients I work with this time of year are talking about this feeling of spiraling and overwhelm and anxiousness and just drowning in the noise of it all you're not alone in that feeling. I think a lot of us feel that way. I think, you know, consumerism and society just kind of curates the, the culture um, and perpetuates down to moms, really. But I think we have to be really, really intentional about changing the narrative that we're telling ourselves. So full transparency, this is very hard to do. And like anything takes practice. But as you're making choices and feeling the pressure this holiday season, I want you to really ask yourself, like, is this serving me? Is this contributing or taking away from my experience as a mother? Thinking about your own needs is a helpful and constructive way to make choices that are truly resonating with your values. That is amazing. I think that is such an important question to ask ourselves. And I really feel like with the rise of social media, it can definitely kind of feel mm -hmm. like keeping up with the Joneses, like, oh, these people are going yeah, skiing in Colorado. Sure. These people are going to Disney for the holidays. And so, yeah, just asking yourself, is this serving me? And, you know, not falling into that trap of comparison, I think can definitely be so important. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways we can actively work to be present during this busy holiday season? Yeah, let's define it, right? Like being present means actively engaged in what is going on in this moment. So being present really is a self-care tool. It allows us to distance ourselves from the noise in our life, namely the stress and anxiety. So here are some ways that I think we can practice being present and they're not gonna be new to you, but I think that they're reminders that we all need, especially when things are feeling really hectic and crazy. Um, one really important one I think is gratitude. So just identifying and acknowledging the things that you're grateful for. What happens when we do this is we identify less on the future and more on the now and what's bringing us joy in the moment. Um, so what does it actually look like to practice gratitude? It could be journaling, writing it down in a notebook or on the notes app. Um, I work with a lot of clients on like seamlessly working this into their day. So maybe it's a thing they do first thing in the morning or midday or even right before bedtime. 
Um, a lot of people like meditation. There's plenty of gratitude meditations out there. Those are really helpful tools to just quiet the mind, right? We talk about that noise. Um, meditation is a great way to quiet it. Another sort of way to practice being present is um, what I'm going to call idealized dreaming. So we got to stop it. Um, this idealized dreaming is right. It's going to get better when my kid sleeps through the night. Um, I can't wait till they're out of the toddler phase. Here's the thing, this phase will pass and wishing away the now is your anxiety lying to you. Your anxiety is telling you, well, if I just wish it away, then it's not gonna you know, feel as bad or so hard right now. And I'm sorry to tell you, but it's not true. And what it's actually doing is not allowing you to enjoy the stressful or the joyful moments um, because all you're ever doing is looking forward and thinking about the next, the next thing or the next phase. Um, the third thing that I think we can do just to be more present is really being mindful of your screen time. I'm not talking about your kiddos screen time. I'm talking about yours. <laughs> our phones are programmed, right, to keep our attention, um, but they're taking away from moments that we want to be present and appreciate. I'm all here for the mindless Instagram scroll, and I think there's a time and place for it, but I encourage you to just be more aware of how you're using your phone and is it an avoidance tool um, that's taking your you know, ability away from being more present. Wow. Those were some really amazing points. And I just cannot tell you how much, you know, the wishing away had spoken to me personally, because that was mm. definitely my experience so much. I mean, early postpartum was a huge struggle. We had so many breastfeeding issues and my son was kind of colicky. And so I just remember in those early days, just wishing like, oh, I cannot wait until he's older. I cannot wait until yeah. X, Y, and Z. And now that he is older, I look at pictures of him as newborn and I'm like, man, what I would do to just snuggle that little newborn one <laughs> more time. It's just, yeah, I feel like it's so hard to get out of that mindset, especially, you know, when your child is in yeah. a difficult stage thinking, oh, it will be better, you know, once he's out of the stage. But, you know, we can't predict the future. We don't know if it's going to be easier, if it's going to be harder, what it's going to be like. And you know, all we have truly is that present moment. And I also mm -hmm. love how you talk about screen time, because that is definitely something I have fallen into. And I just don't feel my best self when I'm spending so many hours on my phone. I notice that when I put up boundaries and, you know, restrict my time on certain apps, I just feel better as a whole. I feel more present. I feel like I'm not just zoning out when my husband is talking to me. And so I love all these tips <laughs> you gave. I really think this can definitely help my audience feel more present during a super busy season. I'm happy to hear that. So I know another issue on my audience's minds is setting boundaries around their baby um, this holiday season. Holiday gatherings with family can be a wonderful occasion, but they can also be pretty stressful when you have this brand new baby, you're worried about them getting sick, you're worried about them being mm. passed around like a hot potato. And so how can my audience set some boundaries with family members around this holiday season? I know you talk a lot about boundaries on your social media platforms, Maddie, so people should definitely follow along and check out their your content because there's a ton there um, if they're new if they're new to you and to your page. But I think with boundaries, you really need to remind yourself that it's not your job to protect and manage the feelings of others, right? Around the holidays, really decide what is worth being firm on about and what you are willing to compromise on. 
you know, ultimately you have your own vision on what you want the holidays to look like for your family. And you're allowed to create the structure around this vision. So if it means telling family members that you won't be joining for certain activities or you want to do something with just your nuclear family, that is totally appropriate. At the end of the day, your boundaries should align with your values. And if you use that as a benchmark, it's really helpful in feeling confident about your decisions that you're making. I work with you know, so many moms who feel guilty for the boundaries that they're setting with family members. And the reality is, is they feel this guilt because of an expectation, either self-imposed or imposed by a family member that is making you feel like you're failing them and you're not. And I'm sorry that you've been conditioned to think that boundary setting means you're being selfish. Challenge this narrative. Boundaries are actually an act of self-respect. I love that so much. And as somebody who has struggled with people pleasing my entire life, I cannot tell you how much mm. that resonates with me. I mean, it's just so interesting how I feel like just particularly women are socialized to believe that, you know, having boundaries and these confrontations that aren't even, you know, necessarily a bad thing, you know, confrontation can be objectively neutral, is selfish, and, you know, that we just owe everybody something. It's just been such a hard thing, especially for myself to work through, but I love how you summarized that. What advice would you give to the woman who is struggling with people-pleasing tendencies, especially when it comes to setting boundaries around their baby? Well, first off, Maddie, I am also a recovering people-pleaser myself, so I know intimately the internal battle that we feel when setting boundaries, right? So I think the reason why you, we, feel guilty when setting boundaries is because at some point in our lives, most likely in childhood, we learned that by keeping those around you happy kept you safe. It's not your fault that you learn this type of external validation was comforting. Unless you get comfortable with the idea of other people not feeling good, setting boundaries is always going to make you feel uncomfortable. You know that that's a really harsh reality to come to terms with. And I don't, I, I understand that it, um, it takes time. It takes time to get to that place. But the reality also is that no one is required to like your boundaries other than yourself. Essentially, we have to stop giving a shit about what other people think, Love right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that, again, for a recovering people pleaser, that's really, really hard to do and it takes time. But I think Think about boundaries as your tool to control your feelings, right? If you express a boundary, you probably rehearse it in your head. Think about the feeling or the end goal of the boundary. Is it to allow for you and your family to make the choices that are right for them? Is it so you can feel confident that you're a capable, strong mother? The boundary isn't telling someone what to do, but rather telling them what you will do if they do not respect your boundary. I'd love to give maybe an example of like what's a boundary and what's not a boundary. Do you think that would be helpful for your audience? Yes, please, that would be so helpful. Okay, great. So again, the boundary isn't telling someone what to do, but rather telling them what you will do if they do not respect the boundary, right? So here's an example of what a boundary does not look like. It makes me uncomfortable when you tell me how to parent. So in that statement, we're not taking control of our choice, but simply telling the other person how they're making us feel, which is okay. We're allowed to do that, but it's not a boundary. So an example of a boundary would be, it makes me uncomfortable when you tell me how to parent. And if you continue to comment on my parenting, I won't allow you to watch my child. 
this statement tells the other person, this is what I'm going to do, and very clearly gives them a roadmap for the type of behavior you're willing to tolerate. Wow, that is so insightful and I've never heard it be described that way. So thank you mm. so much for sharing that because I've never made that connection, you know, because mm. sometimes when I thought I was setting a boundary, I was just like expressing my feelings like, oh, I'm uncomfortable when you do X, Y, and Z. But adding that, you know, it, I feel like it takes the pressure off of yourself so mm. much and, you know, yes. it puts the ball in their court. So this is my yep. boundary. You can either respect it or you can't. And this is what's going to happen. And having that clear cut outcome, I feel like is helpful for both parties. Absolutely. And, you know, we all know taking care of our mental health can be so important, but sometimes taking that leap of going to therapy and, you know, setting aside time to prioritize our needs, especially as a mom can be difficult. You know, there have been times in my life where I knew I was struggling and I knew I was needed help, but it just felt so hard to make that first step of reaching out to a therapist and connecting with somebody. What are some signs that someone might need support from a therapist? Yeah, I think, you know, as a clinician, I have a biased opinion, but I think everyone could benefit from therapy, whether you're newly pregnant, recently postpartum, five plus years postpartum. Therapy can always help. I think people come to therapy in crisis or when they've hit rock bottom, and I'd love to change that understanding a bit. Like therapy can be a preventative care tool, right? Just like we do with our physical mental well-being. Um, now, some like clear markers of mental health struggles, I think if we were to list a few, you know, one would be um, when problems are becoming difficult to manage on your own or you're having difficulty managing everyday tasks, um, using avoidance as a coping mechanism, impulsivity, difficulty making decisions, people pleasing tendencies, right? We just talked about that. Um, finding less joy in the things that maybe used to bring you happiness. Um, sometimes too, it's the people around you noticing a difference in your mood and, and, you know, noticing it to you out loud. I think a big one too is somatic symptoms. So these are the feelings in our body, right? So maybe we're noticing we're waking up like short of breath or a racing heart, heartbeat, um, tingly hands. Like those are all panicky, anxious feelings, um, constant fatigue, right? Like that's another indicator that maybe something is off with our, our mental health. I also want to note that like you don't have to have a problem to start therapy either. Like, you can simply want to learn about yourself and become the best version of yourself to start therapy. Um, I think for a lot of women, going to therapy means you fail in some capacity or you aren't able to handle things on your own. But the reality is, is you were never meant to handle things on your own, right? Like, if we look back primarily, like the way communities were structured were to support women in community settings. And we don't have a world that operates that way anymore. A therapist can be an important and valued member of that community for you. Um, I would argue that the most successful, grounded, and compassionate individuals are actively in therapy. Absolutely. As somebody who has been in therapy kind of through and throughout my life, I can tell you it is just so helpful. And I definitely feel like the best version of myself. And I'm just so happy we're moving in a direction where getting mental health care is, you know, it's not stigmatized because 
I feel like not to generalize, but a lot of the Gen X and the boomers, you know, they were, they didn't talk about their feelings. They didn't Mm. get the mental help they needed. And, you know, I feel like this is kind of why a lot of my audience does struggle with the things that they struggle with, because, you know, they're dealing with a lot of people who didn't address childhood issues or, you know, develop coping skills. And so I think therapy is just such a wonderful tool in everybody's toolbox, but especially when you're postpartum, because there's truly just no other time like it in a woman's life. It's just such a unique time. You know, you're recovering from childbirth, which is a lot, even when things go smoothly, but maybe things don't go smoothly. Totally. It's traumatic. And, you know, on top of this, there's a huge hormone shift and, you know, you're trying to keep this tiny human alive and maybe you've never done this. So all of this to say, you know, postpartum, it's a monumental event in a woman's life. So what are some benefits of seeking mental health care during the postpartum period specifically? Yeah. Instead of the word postpartum, I'd love to use the word perinatal because I really believe that this work starts during pregnancy or even earlier. Um, You know, perinatal encompasses the period during pregnancy and postpartum and beyond. So I'm just going to change that word for us because I think a lot of people do find therapy in postpartum, but we see the most, you know, remission of symptoms or women feeling most prepared for motherhood when we start earlier. But You know, a few things that I've heard from clients that my clinicians have heard from clients that is really helpful to seeking mental health care during this period, and and this is not an exhaustive list, right, at all, but, you know, some tools are learning how to better communicate with our partner or processing emotions related to pregnancy, childbirth, postpartum, um, reducing fears around anxiety and, sorry, reducing fears around childbirth um, and any anxiety about that process. Um, just increasing their mental and emotional well-being, right? Maybe learning some more tools to better manage that on a daily basis and ultimately increase their confidence. Um, discuss any underlying family issues that maybe they haven't had the opportunity to process yet in in a therapeutic setting, but now that they're becoming a parent themselves, right? Like it's bringing up a lot from their families of origin. Um, I think too, it's a lot of psychoeducation around what are the warning signs? Like what to look for if things were to get off the rails, which they won't probably because you're in this space, but if they do, this is what to look for. Um, you know, a big one too, like we talked about earlier, is how to set boundaries. Um, some people don't know to, don't know how to do that and, and need help. You know, motherhood is a complete identity shift, and it's helpful to have a third party, unbiased opinion to help you sort through sort through this this phase of your life. Um, ultimately, my goal as a woman, as a therapist, is to support family throughout one of the most vulnerable and transformative times in their lives. Um, I strongly, strongly believe at my core that women deserve to be held just as much as their baby. And that is the space I'm trying to create day in and day out at my practice. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. Like I recently said on Instagram, it doesn't take a village to raise a child. It takes a village to support a mother. And, you know, just beginning from, you know, if you are trying to conceive that two week wait period can be so stressful or maybe you're a woman. That's a podcast in itself. 
Yes. Gosh, I remember I literally took a t- pregnancy test at like nine days post ovulation, which is like so early. So I found out I was pregnant at like three weeks in one day, which is just like incredibly early. But then, you know, that brought on the fear of miscarriage because I did find out so early. And so you're so right that just so, so many different things can pop up during this period of pregnancy yeah. and childbirth and beyond. And it just really is such a unique time in a woman's life. Well, Thank you so much for coming on this podcast, Stephanie. Where can my audience find you? Tell us a little bit more about what if someone wanted to work with you? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been so fun and um, I hope these topics are helpful to your audience. So we are a therapy practice throughout Illinois. So we see anyone virtually throughout Illinois. Um, You can find us on our website, www.crescentmoon-therapy.com or on Instagram and TikTok. those are great places to just learn more about our practice. And if you're interested, if you're in Illinois and interested in working with someone on our team, you can um, fill out the form on our website and we'll be in contact with you. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. I'm sure this is going to be super helpful and insightful for my audience. Thanks, Maddie.